What's going on everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Successful Archie Students Podcast. I'm in my last week of the semester. I've got um, my two big assignments coming up and I am kind of in a bit of a stressful situation but I've got to get this video out because I haven't posted in like four to five days. So saying that this is an episode um, which isn't actually from my podcast. This is a podcast I featured on. Last Friday I had a chat with Herbie Hudson and Hayden Day from the Discussed It podcast. We just talked about architecture school and I wanted to share that with you guys. They've uh, given me permission to share this clip with you. It's an hour long interview and there's a lot of great moments and uh, we just have a bit of a laugh together. This episode really is just me talking about how I got into architecture school and um, kind of my ambitions behind successful archie student and they really let me share my mind so I thank them for having me on the podcast and if you guys haven't already checked it out do check out the Discussed It podcast I will have all the links in the description once again thank you Hayden and thank you Herbie for having me on the show without further ado let's get straight in to the podcast hello and welcome to the third episode of the Discussed It podcast we're excited to introduce our first guest onto the podcast Kyle Sinko. Kyle is well known within the architecture community as the creator behind the successful Archie student website, where he has created an online community for architecture students all across the world. So Kyle, it's great to have you on the podcast. Would you be able to tell us a bit more about yourself, where you're from and what it is that you do? Yeah, awesome. First off, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm honoured to be the first guest. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> a little bit about myself. My name is Kyle Zinko, as you mentioned. I'm a third year architecture student from South Australia. I guess a little bit about me. On the side, I've been yeah growing this community of um, architecture students called Successful Archie Student. I'm sure we'll get into a lot more about that later on through the episode, but um, pretty much it's just a platform for architecture students to come together and I guess just gives me something to do during my free time. Aside from that, you know, I spend a lot of time on that and on my uni work and then I'm at work um, with my part-time job. I'm a manager at Kmart, which is just this retail store, kind of like a Walmart or something, but in Australia. And so spend, what, 20 hours a week there as well on the side of my studies and I enjoy that. It's good pay, keeps me alive. So... <laughs> Yeah, it's a little bit about me. All right, so if we take it back to the beginning, what do you remember as your first memorable encounter of architecture? Yeah. And what, what kind of significance did this have on you going forward as an architect? Yeah, I think that's a hard one because it's like we experience architecture all around us. So it's like my first encounter with architecture is kind of like you know when I was born in a hospital. But yeah. I guess like my actual memorable, I guess, moment where I actually got into architecture, it was... I guess I got a bit of a story here, but going back to my 15-year-old self, let, let's go back there. So I was in year 10, um, 15 years old. All I really wanted to do was skate and, you know, go out and party. Um, I don't know if, how hard <laughs> you guys go it uh, in the UK as 15-year-olds, but um, in Australia, it's pretty fun just going out and, you know, doing crazy stuff. I don't think it's that good in England, is it? <laughs> no, probably, no, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You guys get pretty wild, I'm sure of it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, 15 year old and I didn't really know where I wanted to be in the future. And I had this class in high school, which was personal learning plan. And pretty much it's just a way of, I thought it was just the biggest bludge of a subject. And so me and my mates, we would just muck around. We'd get on this program called Garage Band and we'd just make stupid noises and the teacher would yell at us and we'd just cause a ruckus. 
Um, so I didn't take that too seriously, but I think the message I'm going to get across here at the end, it kind of ties back to how I didn't do so well at that, but it kind of helped me find out that I wanted to do architecture. So I absolutely just flunked through the first, you know, 90% of this course. And then the last 10%, I realized, oh crap, we've got to do a, like a two week work experience somewhere. And I had not organized a single thing. So I went to, you know, I went to an architecture firm because I thought um, that's something my brother did. He actually did some work experience at a firm near my house, except I went there and they said, no, there's not enough notice. I'm like, fair enough. Um, So instead, I went to a bunch of places, got my mom to kind of help me out and uh, find some places. But no one would take me with just a week's notice and I don't blame them. (laughs) So I went to somewhere called Cheap as Chips and it's just some retail store where um, I was just stacking shelves and talking to all the old ladies there and they were just miserable with their lives and they would just always be complaining. And I'm like, man, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? So I guess even though I almost failed this subject by not getting work experience, it kind of helped me understand that I don't want to, like, I want to do something with my life. I don't want to just, you know, be working and stacking shelves for the rest of my life. So my brother mentioned, well, I asked my brother, my older brother, and he was just like, you'd make a good architect. And I'm like, fair enough. I have no idea why he's mentioned that or anything. I'm like, I guess I like crea- like being creative and playing with Legos and all this kind of stuff. But um, yeah, he kind of just mentioned it and I kind of just took on to it and just stuck with it. And over the next couple of years, I took it really seriously. And I guess from this experience where I've just almost failed my personal learning plan course which I thought was just this easy flunk subject I've kind of come to this realization that I want something more and architecture is going to be my kind of vessel to get me there and and from then did you get work experience before going to uni um not before going to uni I actually had my first internship in my first year though just at the end I got it from uh working with one of my tutors um he took me on for two weeks and just showed me kind of what it was like and helped me understand you know this is what i actually want to be doing so yeah props to him and do you think it's important to get some work experience or just kind of test the ground almost before you get to become an architect yeah 100 percent. i think to know what you're getting yourself into rather than you know just signing up for a three-year bachelor course to spend two weeks just understanding what it's like and seeing and just putting your feet in the water, seeing if it's actually something you want to do for the next, you know, it's a long time to become an architect. So yeah, to, yeah just spend a couple of days, spend a week in, inside a firm knowing what it's like. It's That would be super helpful. I wish I did that before actually signing up for my uni. And before uni, how was your experience in school and how prepared did you feel to study at university upon leaving school? Yeah, so... I guess, as I was saying, my early years of high school, not the greatest time of my life. Um, Actually, it was a fun time of my life. I didn't do too well at school, Um, but I kind of had this, I've always had this, um, I guess, thought that nothing in high school matters apart from year 11 and 12, like the two final years of high school. Mm. So I always had that idea and I was like, yeah, I can just flunk everything else. And then when I get to those years, I'm going to put in all the hard work and everything. And I actually did follow along with that I spent my last two years of high school just grinding it out I was straight A or high B student and um, 
like really challenge myself um, with challenging subjects and did some design and architecture um, programs in school as well. I think it did help me those final two years of just putting in the hard work and putting my head down, um, you know, not going out as much, um, trying not to get distracted by my friends. And it really did just help me or prepare me for architecture school, I reckon. Mm. Uh, I think it's a common misconception that architecture is just for kind of square, you know, the most intelligent people when I think really it's such an array of backgrounds and kind of, you don't have to be, Everest and you know the most intellectual person I think you have to just have a sense of hard work and you know creativity and you know I I think it's such an array of skills are needed and yeah Um, yeah 100% there's just so much involved with architecture it's not just be good at maths it's not just be good at art and hand drawing it's just a whole mix of different things and really comes down to just yeah hard work as you said so in terms of your route to becoming an architect in Australia, um, as it's different to the UK, uh, how does it differ and where are you on that journey? Yeah, so the way to become an architect used to be you do a five-year bachelor course and then um, I believe there was still the two years in a practice. Um, so you need to do a logged two years of experience inside a practice after you get your formal education finished and that way you can register to become an architect but they've changed that I'm not too sure how recent it is probably maybe five to ten years ago so now there's a three-year bachelor course and um, rather than having you know five years there's in- instead a two-year master course after that so I think that's probably a good way to do it because it's like once you finish your three-year course, you can kind of understand if this is really something you want to keep going with or if it's something you want to, you know, turn direction and, um, you know, turn around and change direction. Mm. But, um, yeah, so you've got three-year bachelor's, two-year master's, and then after that you still need to do the two years of logged experience um, inside a firm working for someone. And there's also... Um, you have to do an exam and an interview at the end of that experience as well to then be able to get registered as an architect in Australia. So all up, it's seven years, but um, the final two years of that, you can be working in a firm. In terms of those two years in practice, is there anything you have to complete during that time other than the exam? Because I know here that you have to see through a project from start to finish for then for okay. those two years to kind of count so then it can actually take up to you know nine years if you catch a project you know halfway through and you've got to wait to you know see one the whole way through yeah um i do you have to look into it a bit more i know that um yeah you've got to do a certain amount of hours i think it's like 1440 hours which works up to be you know two years of full-time work i don't know if you have to be like complete through a whole project. I'm not too sure about that. If that's something you do here in Australia, I think that's actually a really cool idea to have that in the UK. Um, but yeah, no, from what I know, it's just, you do that and then you'd study for the big exam at the end. And then you have to sit in front of a board of three architects um, and they'll kind of interview you. And if you pass that, then you become registered. Sounds good. So online, you're known as the successful archi student, but what drives you to fulfill that title and to succeed in such a competitive environment? 
Um, it's funny you say that because the idea behind successful archi student, it isn't so much that I'm the successful archi student. Um, it's more about helping people become the successful archi student and just to kind of document my journey to becoming one. So I in no way claim that I'm perfect or that I'm successful in any way. Um, it really is just about, you know, helping architecture students along that journey and they kind of joined me on my journey to becoming a successful archie student. Um, and I've always thought about rebranding it to something else, but I <laughs> don't really give it too much thought. Just, um, I just kind of put out content and not really care about anything else, but, um, I've lost where the question was. What was the second part of that question? Sorry. So what drives you to fulfill that title or, or try to fulfill that title and succeed in like, you know, an environment that's so competitive? Yeah. Um, it is. Yeah, you're right. It is a competitive environment. I guess I don't really care too much about what other people are doing. It's more just that I kind of get tunnel visioned on, you know, who I was yesterday and then trying to just be better than who I was yesterday and just keep moving forward in my own eyes. And then I kind of, yeah, just, I don't really see it as, you know, a competition against others. It's more just, yeah, me trying to be better than who I was yesterday. Yeah, I think that's good because it's practicing the skills, isn't it? Like you say, architecture is full of skills and all you're doing every day is, as well as studying architecture, you're also learning about how to make videos, content release, communication, those sort of things. That's the same as the podcast almost. Mm, 100%. That's why I love that you boys are doing this, especially starting this early because, you know, you're already, you know, creating connections with others and you're getting your name out there and I, I freaking love that. So keep going. Cheers for that. I know. I think networking is so important. And now, why not start now? And in terms, mm. of, in terms of that, you quoted Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People as one of the essential reads in terms of, you know, in terms of networking. So what about this concept do you believe to be so important in life and, you know, in networking and architecture? Mm, I love this book. Um, so I've read this, how long ago? Probably a year ago now. But um, architecture is all just about, as you said, networking, um, getting to know people. It's not just about networking inside architecture, but, um, you know, meeting people outside, meeting new clients, making referrals, um, you know, uh, what else like meeting with contractors and surveyors and all this kind of stuff there's just so many people you're dealing with and it's interesting when you say how to win friends and influence people because it seems like you're trying to be the salesman or something and it's kind of true like architecture is like you've kind of got to be a salesman and that's just kind of you know how you get more clients how you you know become successful I guess and so to know how to um, win friends and influence people or to, I guess, get on people's good side and you know, create good relationships in that sense. It's um, so important inside architecture. And that's why I really enjoyed reading that book. And I always share that with other people as well. I think in terms of being a salesman, it's quite an interesting concept because it's, it's not, it's harder than just being a salesman because you have to then devise what you're selling first and then go on and sell it. But in that way, I guess it's nicer because a normal salesman has to sell, you know, they have no control over what they sell. Whereas an architect, you get to sell something that you've been involved in the process of creating and something you're probably passionate about, hopefully. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, so in terms of 
how to win friends and influence people. Um, why do you why do you think that this book is such an essential read? Do you think that networking is the utmost important element of an architect, or is there other elements that are above that? Yeah, um, I do think it's just super important networking, and you know, especially in places like where I live in Adelaide in South Australia, it's it's really who you know, not what you know. So you can spend all your time studying, but in the end, it's like to get a job, you have to know someone and it's all about referrals, getting clients. It's all about referrals, especially here in Adelaide and, you know, especially other parts of the country and stuff as well. But it doesn't really, doesn't really matter where you are is what I'm trying to say. It's networking such a big thing and, you know, being, yeah, being able to know how to deal with people, deal with customers, deal with contractors and all that kind of stuff. It's just so important. And so as a student, what would be some of the best ways to start networking? Hmm. Um, create a podcast like this for sure. Yeah. Um, otherwise, if you're not really um, into that, there's so many th- different things you can do. You go to events. Um, you can just call up an architecture firm like I did in my year 11 research project and just ask questions, you know, try to find a mentor and just... Um, you know, go to a different firm or go to anything really. There's so many ways just to contact people. Like it doesn't even have to be inside the industry. Just get out and get your name out there. Let people know that you're studying architecture. Let people know that you're going to be an architect. And um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I'd just like to touch upon, you said a mentor. Do you think, I think mentors are so important, but what do you think about that? Having someone that's better than you and being confident enough to ask someone better than you to learn from them yeah 100 i mean it's like if i could do an apprenticeship for architecture rather than doing a university degree i would 100 do that any day because i think yeah working underneath someone who's done it all before who's um been through it all and they have the practical skills being able to work alongside them and just work on real projects and know what it's like actually doing it it's so different to um you know writing an essay on it or um doing a project Mm. with fake clients or something it's just so different actually working alongside someone and if they've got those skills already um then yeah there's so much they can teach you so 100 percent mentoring's massive in architecture yeah i think you can pick up so much just by you know experiencing someone do something i think you can pick up a lot more kind of that way and, and in that sense I think it's a shame that uh, an apprenticeship for architecture is frowned upon in a sense in terms of um, how people go about that route and I think in some sense it could actually experience in the experience of being an architect could be a lot more valuable to someone and I think it could help you pick up the skills a lot easier. Mm, 100%. So in terms of the present, what has made you turn to YouTube as a form of promoting this content and this story and your message? Um, good question. I did a bit of YouTube when I was younger. I used to make you know gaming videos and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think everyone has some Clash of Clans. <laughs> yeah, everyone does it. Um, mm. But it really is just a way of 
you know, sharing my message in a video format and using my voice, I guess, because um, I'm not, you know, I, I enjoy writing, but I can't write long blog posts or anything like that. So uh, video is just my way to go. And because I've got a bit of experience making videos and, you know, writing copy, and I think it's just a great opportunity to, yeah, practice new skills because, um, like I've even noticed that since I started making YouTube videos, I if I go back and watch my first videos, um, <laughs> it's just so cringe. You know how you know bad the lighting is, how bad I'm talking. Like I just say um a thousand times, and it's just awkward. Um, and then every single video I make, I'm just getting better and better at talking. Like if we did this podcast six months ago, I would have just been just speechless, just like trying to just get over like being awkward and. Um, yeah, just making videos, it's it's just so cool just to look back over it all and know that I've created these assets that are going to be on the internet forever and students can come back and watch them whenever they want and I think it's a really cool yeah, that's um, right. um, time to be alive. And yeah, I've seen in your on your YouTube or the fact that you've used video inside your own projects, how do you think you've been able to take video, which is quite a new form of communication within architecture and use it for your advantage because you are good at it almost. You recommend <laughs> Thank you. that? <laughs> almost. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm not perfect, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, I think it's really cool. Like I see everyone else presenting their projects and um, where was I going with this? Because it's like, let me just think about this. When I was did my last project it's because um that was the first time I've done video and um it was the first kind of time that we had to do online presentations and so I wouldn't really usually do a video project if it was just a normal studio um assignment where we're in class and everything but because coronavirus because we have to stay at home and present over zoom I was like well I might try something different that no one else really does or that I've never done myself so I kind of decided just to you know put some animations in make it into a video format and just talk over the top of it and I just thought why has no one else really done this before because you know video is just so more captivating than just staring at an image it's um, if you can make a fast-paced video then there's just so much you can show in like a smaller amount of time and by having a video um, it kind of just helps guide what you're talking about as well because if you're just talking through a poster sure you can have like little dot points with you as well but um and you can talk from left to right and just point through all the all the different images and everything but to have a video that's playing and then showing different animations and showing you know cuts through the building and all this kind of stuff it's just so much more you can show in in a smaller amount of time and you know especially in this kind of day and age where clients just want stuff instantly to be able to just show stuff in a visual format it's much easier to read than, you know, sections and plans and all that. Is that something you want to use more going forward in terms of maybe presenting to clients and things like that? Oh, yeah. I love the idea of, you know, video or virtual reality and being able to walk through buildings and stuff. And I'd, yeah, love to play around with it more, um, especially with, you know, in the in the real world. I'd love to play around with, um, yeah, creating videos for clients, creating, you know, virtual walkthroughs and stuff like that, 100%. And in terms of from your YouTube, have you had any opportunities in terms of networking or any opportunities that have arisen as 
as a result of it. Yeah. Um, and I'm still early into my YouTube journey, I guess. Um, but yeah, just meeting with practicing architects, like I've got into a conversation. I don't know if you saw, I had an interview with Chris Morley, who is um, one of the course co- coordinators at my uni and he's running his own practice um, in South Australia here. And he's, you know, he's come along and said, I love what you're doing. I'd love to be on your show. And um, if you want to have a chat sometime and have a coffee for an hour or two, we'll go ahead there. And he just wants to learn more about me. And I think that's super cool because this is someone I had, what I had known about in my first year of architecture school. And I thought, wow, he's killing it. He's running his own firm and he's um, living the dream really. And so now that he's coming to me and wanting to um, learn about my journey with successful Archie student and he wants to collaborate and uh, make things happen. I think that's such a cool opportunity, um, which has just been born from a couple of months worth of YouTube so far. Um, and yeah, just plenty of opportunities have been arising, having uh, interviewed David Drazzle from Sketch Like an Architect and um, Anthony Laney, a firm director in California, who I would never thought, like never thought about interviewing him before. I remember watching a, a video of him uh, like five years ago and I was just like man this guy's this guy's killing it and just to be able to you know chat with people like that it's just it's inspiring to know just how much you can do in such a little amount of time through YouTube through social media and all that must feel nice as well a sense of achievement almost to be able to get to a level like that mm. oh yeah it's <laughs> try not to blow too much wind up my own ass but it's like <laughs> um, yeah to it is it's such a humbling opportunity for sure yeah and so you've got your youtube as one side of uh your what you're putting out and we know that you've put out an ebook and you're in the process of creating another one uh can you tell us a bit more about this and why you've chosen to do it and what's it about yeah for sure um so the ebook i've got out at the moment um how to ace any project in architecture school it's it was my first kind of way of trying to monetize through this brand and where i don't really like to see it like that it's um you know i didn't really want this to be like a monetization opportunity so i'm decided to write another book which is going to be you know completely free and it's i put together something like 70 hacks about architecture school and I really just want to give out some more value to the people watching me, the people that spend their time listening to the podcast and, and, and my YouTube videos. And so I, yeah, I think eBooks are a great way of um, sharing information because I can include videos and animations and diagrams. And um, again, these is just, it's, it's me trying to find new ways to learn things. So I hadn't used Adobe InDesign before creating an eBook I didn't really know how to, you know, create animated PDFs and stuff. But now that I've done that, it's another skill I've learnt. And yeah, putting this these eBooks together, it's just been a lot of fun, really. I think it's a, a valuable thing to kind of, you can say to people, especially maybe in an interview, going for a job, say, you know, I've, I've written an eBook. I think it sounds impressive mm. and it sounds, like, and it's another skill that you can say you have in terms of writing and, you know, putting those kind of things together. And I guess instead of yeah, for sure. down... In your CV, you can kind of say, well, I've, I've done these, I've made a podcast, I've done YouTube videos. It kind of tells tells the um, whoever is reading your CV 
that you actually do know how to do that. You're not just saying that. Yeah, anyway. yeah, exactly. And that's kind of a question I want to pose to you guys. Do you guys have, you know, I want to know where you guys take this, but uh, you've got the podcast and stuff. Um, I guess, are you looking towards, you know, building up a brand for yourselves and, um, you know, being able to put that stuff on like your CV and everything? Uh, is that where you plan to go with, with the podcast and everything? I think the plan is to kind of start to create a brand behind the podcast and maybe have different avenues from this. I think we want this as kind of the, the base of what we do, but essentially not limited to maybe YouTube eventually, you know, similar to yourself, just, I think just exploring different avenues of, you know, networking and seeing what people we can talk to. And I think that's why, we didn't want to completely limit ourselves to an architecture podcast set down, you know, mm. set in stone architecture, because I think we could miss out on interesting conversations with people, networking with people that aren't completely architectural, but would give us, you know, interesting conversation lessons and things like that. And I think in future, we've got guests lined up that have nothing to do with architecture but it doesn't take away from the fact that they would give us things that we could take away and, you know, listen to, and it would help us still in our kind of journey. Yeah. I think we're very yeah, much, I love that. Yeah. Very much at the start. We're not, yeah, we've kind of got no idea where it's going to go almost, but we've just got to start somewhere with you. And it's that, that initial step in the water where you have to take it or you will get it almost. Mm, that's so cool. Yeah, keep going for sure. I love it. <laughs> um, so are there any other avenues that you're thinking about or have thought about exploring with, with the brand you're creating? Um, good question. Um, I've thought about making courses and um, I guess different series like little YouTube mini series and stuff. Um, however, there's only so much time in a day, so I've kind of got to pick the ones that, um, kind of suit, uh, the best kind of output for input. Um, but yeah, there's a lot I'd like to do. It's just a matter of trying to find the time to do it all. Yeah. And I guess it's, uh, it's good that you're trying to progress your brand in, in that way and not, and the self-focus isn't monetization. I think that's such a, you know, a respectable element of putting out an ebook without having to monetize it just to kind of give back to the audience that you know have got you to this point um and how have you found that balance between your studies and then obviously the job you mentioned and then trying to progress the brand and do you find it limiting that you have so many other things um in terms of going forward yeah, I've given this a lot of thought recently. Um, you know, I don't want to give away too much about my plans for the future, but um, I guess it's yeah, it's it's not easy trying to balance between you know part time work, coming home, and then trying to get out a video while you've got assignments on the go. Like at the moment, I've got my two big projects to do, and I'm kind of trying to work with my partner in that and just. Um, find I guess it's just about you know balancing time and scheduling in when you can do stuff and it's all about I guess making sacrifices as well because I don't go home and, and 
sit on the couch for two hours watching Netflix. I'm kind of just always trying to do something. And I guess that's kind of why I decided to create Successful Archie Student as well, just to kind of take me from being a consumer and then driving that more towards the creative side. So rather than just spending all my time just, yeah, wasting it, watching stuff and consuming content, it's just a creative outlet for myself to, um, yeah, just produce stuff rather than leaving this world with nothing to show, if that's not too philosophic. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that, yeah, and it's, while it's creative and in a sense it's fun, but it's it's still broadening your network and opportunity. So it kind of feels like you're still doing yourself justice in that, you know, while you're enjoying making videos. It's also doing something for your architecture career in a sense as Mm. well. In terms of balancing it, how many how many hours did you average a night sleeping at, at university? Oh, um, that's funny because I just made a video on this last night. Um, so I guess I don't like I've never pulled an all nighter because of architecture school. I mentioned the, in the video that I've pulled all nighters like in primary school when I was playing video games and stuff, but that's a bit different. <laughs> um, in architecture school, yeah, I do try to balance my sleep I try to get seven eight hours every night although it's not really possible towards the end of the semester um I like last night went to bed at like 1 30 woke up at my normal time at six just to try to keep a consistent sleep routine I guess um but yeah it's it's not easy um but yeah that's the idea of making sacrifices to try you know try and create something yeah respectable yeah you know having having minimal sleep and kind of um still doing all this being able to motivate yourself to get up yeah you guys can say that though because you're um you're up at what 4 30 in the morning right now so yeah very respectable (laughs) sorry i just want to touch point the fact that you've never pulled an all-nighter i think that's a bit of like you said in the video it's a bit of stigma around architecture students Mm. and architecture as a profession almost that you have those people have to pull all-nighters or and I think it could turn some people away from the subject, which is a shame, but yeah, I think it comes hand in hand, isn't it? Hard work and time management. What do you think advice wise for mm. people to not, to avoid that? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the thing. Cause it's like success is all about, um, it's all about hard work and it's kind of like the more hours you put into something, then, the more chance you have of being successful or the, the better product products you're going to have. And that's kind of like the difference between a good project and a bad project. It's really just the amount of productive hours you put into it. Um, and now I'm driving myself away from the question you asked. So advice for sleep. Um, what was it? Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So it's just the stigma around architecture students and how they get so little sleep and the all nighters they need to pull. But, whether you really need to, like you say, you've never done one before. Mm. Advice about yeah, it is just um yeah, time management. So just scheduling in when you want to have something done, and just being disciplined enough to stick to that schedule. Um, so if you say you're going to go to bed at nine o'clock, don't you know finish up everything, go into bed and just sit on your phone for an hour. Try to stay disciplined and manage your time in that way to stick to a schedule Um, because I guess something I started writing about 
like a year ago was this thing called the plus I've got to try to remember it now it's the plus one minus three rule which is like for every kind of one point of effort you put in um you, well I guess every time you do something um like a good habit or something you wake up early one morning then you're kind of getting like one point for that um and then every time you break that habit you're kind of taking away three points and so you know consistency is going to you know grow up this big kind of point system where you're just doing something consistently and it's building up and building up but then every time you don't do that task it's taking away a lot more than what it would to do that task and so it's this yeah idea of having a consistent mindset and just yeah staying at it mm, i haven't heard of that concept it was quite it's quite interesting actually saying go go look into i think i think everyone kind of hears about the time management tips and they and they probably tell you at the start university make sure you're and i think everyone kind of goes, yeah i'll be fine and then when you get to the end of the course you kind of go Oh, actually, I wish I'd listened to that a bit more because they were, <laughs> they were so right. And I think it happens in everything. It's yeah. just, they were right all along about, yeah, maybe maybe you should sort of spread your work out along the course. And yeah, uh, We've seen that in in sixth form or secondary school here. I think if you'd started a bit earlier, then a bit less stress later on. So I think try and learn the lesson now rather than waiting. Yeah, I, I'd rather learn it now than in a you know, in, in university and be rushing towards the end of a project that is a lot bigger and more time consuming. Yeah. And that's just the thing. It's, you know, you've got to experience it for yourself. You can't really know for sure that you've got to start early. It's like once you're in that position where you've got a week to do a project, you're kind of like, shit, I should have done this a long time ago. But then for the next time, you know that. So it really is just from experience. And okay. So if we move on to outside of architecture, what what do you do to relax outside of architecture? See the drums behind you, clearly. <laughs> yeah, um, I do like playing drums, um, but it's weird because me making videos and me kind of, you know, working on the website and all this stuff, it's a way of me relaxing. It's kind of just what I do in my free time. Um, but aside from, you know, architecture, all that, yeah, I like to play drums. I don't get behind them as much as I'd like to. Um, but, yeah, not a lot of downtime, to be honest. Um, I always just try to stay busy, and that's kind of me relaxing by doing stuff. Like, because I come home from work, and all I'm thinking about is just creating another video and stuff. So um, to be able to, you know, do that stuff that's kind of relaxing for me if that makes sense it's a bit weird but yeah no I think it's really I think it's really easy to tell that you're that driven and because because of the constant flow of content it's you know it's quality content that seems inspired um and I, I think it's it's really easy to see that and I, I don't think that really goes amiss and I think it's really easy to see <laughs> in your videos uh that it's something you enjoy and it's not something you're doing for you know monetization I think and I think that is a a stigma on YouTube that people just kind of do it for money. And I, I think you can tell when that's not the case a lot of the time because the videos are more inspired and you can tell the, the effort going in is from a different place, essentially, to those that are kind of just going for views and, you know, they just want clicks. I think, yeah. I think there's a big difference. 100%. So what would you say is your greatest achievement so far? Oh, uh, <laughs> it's a big question. Yeah. 
Um. Oh god. I would. It's kind of hard to say because I'm still so early in my journey. So it's like, I guess, it's just like a. I want to say it's like a, a, a path of just small achievements so it's like a consistency of small achievements like um to know that i'm just building up something every single day um it's it 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 does feel like it's an achievement in that way in the fact that rather than me you know it's not like i've just done something overnight and i've just made an achievement it's it's just it's fulfilling knowing that i'm creating something um, from consistency in my work and everything but I guess if I were to point it down to one thing, um, perhaps landing like the internship in my first year because I was a nervous wreck. I'm trying to ask, um, like the, the way I got it was um, I went into my um, tutor's firm <clears throat> like a couple months into the holidays or maybe a couple weeks into the holidays, um, put on like a nice shirt and everything and I was just so nervous about it and I got out of my car after sitting in there for like 20 minutes. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And then I went in and he was just like, oh, good to see you and everything. Like, sure, I'd love to take you on in January for two weeks. And um, it was just a good feeling knowing that I thought that was something I couldn't do. And then by actually just taking that step and getting out of the car, knocking on the door and just getting um, getting that internship, it was just, yeah, that was probably my biggest achievement in architecture so far. I'd say you seem a lot more confident now instead of speaking. Uh, do you, what would you put that down to? Um, just putting out videos. Like it's so clear to me that I, I've watched back over every single video and like even from my video to like uh, my sec- my second to last video, it's just that little bit worse than my last video. So it's like every single video, there's just a progression and um, you know being able to talk to people like you and just you know strangers I've never met before. Um, but I guess it also comes down to at my work now that I'm a manager there, I speak with a lot of, you know, different team members and customers and deal with a lot of problems there and stuff. So, um, I think it is just, you know, a a consistency of just speaking with people and going out my way to practice, um, speaking and, and confidence, I guess. Yeah. No specifics in terms of, but I think approaching people and, and well, I guess being forced to talk to people and people that you aren't hundred percent comfortable with. And I think customers as well, that's, I think that's a good kind of way into being forced to talk to people that, especially when they're complaining, it's not a conversation you want mm. to have, but it's mm. one that you kind of have to go into an approach in a, in a certain way. And you have to be confident, obviously as a manager, your voice, you're the voice of a team. And I think, I think that's valuable experience for anyone really. Yeah. And if I were to put it down to one thing, you know, it's just putting yourself out there. So don't be afraid to just go speak to someone or like make a phone call or, you know, go inside a firm and just ask if you can take an architect out for coffee or something. Just put yourself in those situations that you're scared of because like I was reading about it, I think two days ago, it's like there's two different types of stress. It's like there's distress and then there's, I think it was like you stressed or something. But um, pretty much the latter was that that stress that kind of helps it's like related to growth. So putting yourself in these stressful situations, you don't want to be distressed and, you know, having two days to do your project, that's not good stress, but yeah. the stress you get where you're standing in front of a big 
um, you know, audience and you're just starting to sweat, a, uh, sweat and shiver or whatever. And then you get out there and you just start speaking. Um, you know, that's the kind of good stress that's going to help you grow and become better and better at what you're doing. Hmm. So let's look forward. Uh, where do you see yourself in 10 years time and then maybe 20 years time? Where would you oh, like okay. to be? Um, that's a good question. I do like I do constantly think about this, and I've got like, I've written down my plans f- for the future and all that, but it's constantly evolving. Um, in ten years' time, I'd like to be working for someone um, in a firm. I do plan that you know, thirteen years' time, I'm running my own firm. Sounds weird being thirteen years, but that's just kind of what I've worked out. Um, but yeah, 10 years time just to be working for someone in a firm, um, be reg- be a registered architect, have some of my own clients perhaps, and then uh, be doing some side projects and with the brand to kind of have this, um, community of architecture or students who are probably now architects <laughs> and just to kind of, um, you know, have this massive army of videos, I guess, and just like content and just to be like a big brand, not necessarily for myself, but just to have a whole library of information, I guess, for architecture students. And yeah, I guess it's never a bad thing I see myself. to have architecture students that look up to you. And then as they progress uh, and they're qualified architects, you, you know, that you're an influencer to them. It's ne- never a bad thing, especially if they're good architects and, you know, you've got that kind of <laughs> got that pool of talent there to, to dip in yeah. if you need it. Yeah, and I guess that's kind of the way I see it. It's like if you've um, helped all these people, you know, as they're starting out, then you know they're going to be referring to you later on, being like, "Yeah, this is the guy who helped me out." And you know, that's that's a pretty cool idea to know that um, you know people will be referring to you like that. Yeah, and I guess the whole the whole networking conversation, where if you were to go off and start up your own firm, the importance of having clients behind you that you almost take with you, or like you say, you're you're selling yourself with your own brand. You have to build up that rapport with people, then they'll know what you're like without just seeing just your name. They'll be able to see very quickly who you are and what you are. Would you think mm. that's important to have start building that up so you can have more confidence going going forward? I don't think it would hurt at all. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. Um, yeah, definitely just to have, you know, kind of some rapport behind you to like what you guys are doing, just to have a brand that shows that, you know, you guys are um, keen at, for architecture. Obviously you guys, you know, you're pending architecture students. It's like you're already putting in all this effort. Um, so, you know, people who are going to be, you know, looking back at what you've been doing over the last five years in five years time, like clients are going to be seeing that these guys were the ones that put in all that effort and that took that extra step. And so they're going to be like, oh, maybe I want to go, get these guys to design me a building rather than the ones who just kind of floated through architecture school and didn't really have a voice. So yeah, hundred percent. That's a great idea. And I think as a, as a content creator, instantly people then kind of hold you in, in some kind of, in some kind of way that you do influence them. And I think then if they were clients, then you instantly have an advantage on other people. And I guess, as big as you can get that influence, the more likely you are to kind of have a bigger base of people that would want to go to you 
uh, for advice mm. or for you know a consultation or and things like that. Mm. Yeah, such a great point. Um. Okay, so as your brand is all about helping architecture students, could you give us one thing that you think makes an architecture student successful? <laughs> That's funny because I ask this question at the end of all my podcasts and I've never really thought about it myself. <laughs> um, the one thing, I'm going to have to go with the theme of kind of what I was driving at today, which is consistency and I do want to kind of relate this back to architecture students um how can I do that so I guess it's like yeah the more hours you put into something then you know the better the product or the output's going to be and so this idea of the plus three minus three rule being consistently putting in effort it's going to build up and build up and it's kind of it compounds over time so rather than trying to you know smash out a project in one week by, you know, spending every single week doing a little bit of sketches, making a little bit on your model, and then bringing that to your teachers every week, you know, they're going to be seeing that you're consistently putting in effort and that they can give you feedback and they can kind of guide you to getting, you know, better grades or to understanding it better. Um, so I think, yeah, consistency of work or consist- consistency of effort um, is definitely probably I can't really say it's the number one thing, but that's probably what's on my mind at the moment. Yeah. Be consistent with your actions. When you go to your tutors for things like that. Mm, good question. Um, and how have you kind of found so taking that? I guess any architecture student at the start of architecture school, they're going to be hesitant on um, getting critiques and they're going to feel yeah. like they're being attacked. Um but over time, you start to realize that your tutors are there to help you. They're just trying to guide you in the right direction. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm now at that point where I just listen to ev- absolutely everything that my tutors say and I try to take on board everything they say rather than trying to defend it. And I've still got mates that come up to me. They're like, yeah, the tutor was having a stab at my project. I'm just going to keep it how it is and he can deal with it and stuff. And I'm like, okay, but um, if you're going to be stubborn about the critiques you're getting um you know the teachers aren't going to like that they're just trying to help you so rather than trying to defend it um try to listen to what they're saying and obviously if it's you know something subjective about your design or something you don't have to take it on board but just to listen to what they're saying Mm. so helpful i think dale carnegie touches upon that in the book as well about how no one's really out to get you In, in terms of when they critique you it's you know, they've got things going on and there's reasons why they say it and being able to take that on board is helpful in terms of making people like you and respect you, being able to take on criticism, so important. Yeah, I love that you referenced that book. It's probably my favourite book, I reckon. <laughs> I think I think the critique as well is quite daunting for someone that's kind of going into it. And I think especially for someone with an ego, not myself, <laughs> but other people, other people with egos. Um, I think it's it's kind of a hard thing to take on being, you know, told after so much work as well. And I think that's the daunting thing with the hours you yeah. put in. That's why it's kind of just about, you know, doing a little bit each week. So then rather than getting mm. to the last or the second or last week and they say, yeah, you should have told me about this and we could have made a change at the very start. But now that you've done this, you can't really progress forward without, you know, changing everything. But um, 
yeah, hundred percent. Just to bring something, even something just small every week, um, just to get a bit of critique on it for sure. Okay, and to wrap up, final question: How would you like to be remembered? <laughs> like when I die, or just <laughs> you interpret how you want. How how do you want to be remembered? Okay, yeah. Let's say when you die, how yeah, how would you like Carl Cinco to be remembered? That's cool. Um, probably to be that kid that's just trying to help other architecture students and just trying to, you know, I guess leave. Oh, I don't want to sound so like philosophical <laughs> here, but I just want to, be, you know, like be that guy who's just been, you know, super cheery and just trying to help people um, rather than being selfish and, um, you know, trying to be the first of the pack. I, I want to be like a leader, I guess. Um, and yeah, just to have that image of being a leader, I think that's something cool rather than being this boss. So like if I'm running my own firm, you know, I want to be someone who's leading, you know, the talent rather than telling people what to do. Just, yeah, that's about as unphilosoph- unphilosophical <laughs> I can get. <laughs> can I throw that question onto you guys as well? I hell want to know what you guys will say to that. Go on, go on, Herb. Um, I don't know, but it's, we're so early on, so I'm not even sure where my path's going to take me, but I think to do something, something good to give back to society in a way and maybe leave something behind. Like you say, you've got this, you're amassing this massive library of videos and information and eBooks and content that will be left, like you say, on the internet forever. I think you can be confident that you're leaving that behind in a way. So I think, Mm. yeah, just until the internet dies. (laughs) Yeah. Until it, yeah, until it just crashes one day, and it's all it's all, it's all white. Uh, I think some kind of legacy, which is based on creativity. I think, I think, I don't know which direction that will be, and it, it could be that I've designed a building that I'm proud of, and that you know my predecessors can go and look at and say you know, he designed that. And I think that's, that's quite important to me in terms of, you know, uh, my grandchildren and, and further on have something to kind of remember me. By. Or, and, and I think in through the podcast, I think if I had something like that of, you know, my ancestors, I think that'd be such a cool thing to listen to. And I, I, you know, I, I definitely take the time to kind of listen to it and think, you know, that that's what they were doing at that time. I think now we kind of, we look back at, you know, we go up in the attic and find, you know, old scrapbooks and old photos. But I think now podcast is a, is a different way to do that and a different way to kind of be remembered by people in the future. Yeah, that's such a cool idea. Like, because I, like, I listened to one podcast by some like millionaire, um, Dean Graziosi, and he's like created this podcast for his kids, but like he kind of directs it towards everyone else. But then he's just always like relating back to like, oh, and, um, my daughter, when you're listening to this in 20 years time, like, um, this is like, this is kind of like what I, what I was doing and, um, you know, here are some tips and stuff, but I think, yeah, it's just so cool to know that like, we don't really have much information on, you know, our great, great grandparents or anything, but if we can come back, like our kids and their kids and all this stuff can come back and, you know, find out who their, their predecessors were, but I think that's awesome. Yeah. You know, without the use of ancestry or anything like that, it's just a kind of, I think, it's a new wave photo book in a sense, because it's kind of detailing my journey growing up and, 
whether they find it interesting you know at least they've kind of got it there you know just in case they you know want to listen and i think it's a it's a yeah, good way it's to really kind of look back how like photo books were for what our grandparents kept their memories in podcasting and youtube videos you don't know what in a hundred years what there's going to be if you know what i mean it's weird to think mm. in the future what it could that be. is crazy to think about a little chip in the back of the head it, it just records everything you do i'm, <laughs> I'm waiting for that <laughs> bit black mirror that <laughs> well i think that uh wraps up the questions in terms of the general conversation so yeah we're going to jump into a segment that our listeners may be getting scripts with which was our current thing of the week and we thought it'd be fun to bring you on kyle to join us if you're happy with that yeah awesome so just i have explained briefly but to explain for you the concept is to select your favorite thing that you've experienced from the previous week this could be absolutely anything ranging from a favorite product building or food that has caught your attention so i hope you kind of understand mm, i do yeah cool so would you like to hit us with our with your thing of the week uh, sure. Um, I only just thought about this earlier. Um, the book I'm reading at the moment, you might have heard of it, The 40-Hour Workweek. Oh, sorry, 4-Hour Workweek, 40 Hours is, that would suck. Um, <laughs> it's a book by, oh, I know his name, I just can't think of it right now. Anywho, 4-Hour Workweek, um, pretty much, yeah, it's this idea of working away from or not living in the rat race, I guess. So um, being able to, you know, have mini retirements rather than working full-time for the next 40 years, you, you know, spend two months working and then you take a month off and, um, you know, spend your younger years, um, you know, while you've got the physical capabilities of doing stuff rather than waiting till, you know, you're almost dead <laughs> to be able to retire, um, to take, you know, mini retirement breaks and stuff and, um kind of just building up this lifestyle of the four-hour work week. I think that's such a cool idea. Um, i got to figure out who that who wrote that. I'll think about it when you guys talk. But, yeah, that's my that's my thing of the week. Yeah, I like it. I think we've, me and Hayden have discussed this before, that obviously architect school is, so, is quite a stressful experience. I think we've spoken about perhaps because of longer holidays that university students get, perhaps going going away or getting out, like they say, traveling is so important. Maybe using those little breaks to break up the whole year. So you work hard and you take time away. I'm guessing that's the same kind of concept in the book. Yeah, I think, yeah, that pretty much is it. Like architecture students have got it all down packed already, I guess, you know, work hard for um, 14 weeks and then have, you know, four weeks break. That's the same idea, I guess, but, um, yeah, this is a fat book. I think it's like 600 pages or something, but um, it really does just, you know, it's it's kind of like a guide to, yeah, working four hours a week. And isn't that the dream for everyone? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think even we've spoke about kind of when traveling in terms of branching out, like we mentioned earlier, making travel videos. And I think that that could be valuable to someone who studies buildings when you go abroad and you see different styles 
you know, in different types of architecture in different environments. And I, I think that is valuable information, you know, sensory information that you kind of pick up along the way. And you, you even when you don't notice it, you're probably being inspired by the things around you from different cultures and, you know. That's kind of one of the avenues we've looked at, isn't it? Or spoken about at least that the possibility of doing that sort of that sort of content and branching out from what we are in the moment. Sorry, I think you were like cutting out. <laughs> just yeah, just where where did I finish? <laughs> Technical difficulties. Uh, rough idea. <laughs> All right, are you back? You, you done? You done messing around? Thank you, Herbie. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Herb, go on. You hit us with your thing of the week. Okay, so my thing of the week is also a book, like Kyle, and it is The Art of Resilience, written by Ross Edgley, and I'm not sure. Hayden, you might know. I don't know if anyone else knows, but he was the first man to swim around Great Britain, And all in one go, pretty much. So he slept on a boat, swam for six hours, got back on the boat, swam for six hours, and he would always start from where he got out of the water. So he did it all in one go. It took him 157 days to get round. I think he did it two summers ago, which is pretty mental in itself. And I think (laughs) it's quite... I've only just started it, but I think it's... I've read his last book, which was the World Fittest Book, which... So he's a a fitness guru if you like but I think he he tries to experiment with his body and try out lots of weird things so he did he like did a marathon pulling a car which I don't know why you'd want to do that but <laughs> so, but I think it's <laughs> such a relevant subject at the moment about resilience and trying to get through things I think it's quite a valuable read and he's always he's written that book not knowing what was going to happen and he's positioned himself just fine. <laughs> but I think in terms of resilience, I feel fine now. As long as I don't have to do that, I'm I'm set of anything really. Yeah. <laughs> Uni would be a breeze as long as I'm not swimming <laughs> for 150 days. I know. I'll be all right. I'll be all right. I think. Um, so I guess that's the yeah. idea of challenging yourself because it's like yeah, as you said, Hayden. It's like now you can just do. You feel like you can do anything after swimming around Great Britain. So. <laughs> Yeah, I think he's set, isn't he? <laughs> I think it'll be all right. Yeah, <laughs> but like right. you say, it's that pushing yourself, isn't it? You've when you make a video, the next video is going to be better. It's kind of you think about well, that's what mm. he's doing now. He's still quite young. What do you think? Yeah, you know, crazy. Next year is going to win. <laughs> yeah. So I might, I might try that. All right, my thing of the week is not a book. It's um, an artist by the name of Cornelia Parker. Uh, and I've just been kind of reading into her work and looking at more of more of her work this week. Uh, essentially, she's an installation artist. And a lot of her work's quite in, inspired my, my kind of artwork in the past. Um, but I've done a lot more reading on her. And she's, she's quite a hard person to get in contact with i can't find her contact anywhere i thought i'd drop her an email i can't find it anywhere so that, that was that was a bad start but essentially she's um she's made a few pieces that have been in our local uh 
contemporary art center and just walking around them she had a piece before where she had maybe 50 brass instruments flattened and just hung from the ceiling in a circle and you kind of just walk around them and kind of just take in the form of it and I don't think there's any meaning behind it, but just like the grand, the grandeur of, of kind of her work is, is so nice to look at. And it's quite inspiring in terms of um, composition and, and elements like that. Jeez. Where did you say that was that, that last installation? Uh, it's in the Turner Contemporary, which is just down the road. Um, oh, wow. Okay. It's, yeah, it's quite. So is she a local? Uh, I, I no idea, but it's quite a it's quite a new and uh, like big um, contemporary centre. So I think a lot of relatively big artists can kind of um, go and exhibit in that gallery. Um, but I think just looking at her work has been quite interesting in you know in deeper detail. And she she's also has a piece in which she exploded the shed uh, with the help of the British army and then hung the fragments from the ceiling and, and the epicenter of the work is like a big ball of light and so you get all these like fragmented shadows on the ceiling and all around the room and kind of as you walk around it you kind of get a sense of you know all the shadows and um and it, yeah, yeah, explosion. It's, yeah and I think it's kind of that like she's all her pieces are kind of in motion and it's like as, as if it's kind of you know, yeah. in that's sick. And I, yeah, if you get a chance to look it up, it's very cool, especially the shed one. When when you look at it with with all the shadows on the wall, yeah, it looks it looks very very good. Yeah, I'm gonna check that out. That's sick. Well, yes, that's kind of coming to the end of our end of the week. I hope you enjoyed it, Kyle. Oh yeah, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah, um, um, we've oh, I've, I've really enjoyed the discussion. I hope you have, Hayden. Have you? Yes, yeah, been very insightful. Um, it'd be good to, again, maybe, you know, a bit later on in your journey, um, and then we'll kind of see where you are and catch up then. Kind of, you know, see how we've both progressed at that point. Yeah, sounds good. I just want to say, yeah, thank you, Hayden and Herb, so much. Been an absolute joy. And, yeah, I can't wait to see where you guys go with this. It's, um, it's so cool just to see, you know, fresh students starting something new and, yeah, keen to see where it takes you. Thank you very much. Uh, well, we've really enjoyed we've really enjoyed it, uh, and we really appreciate your time and um, you know answering the questions. And I think it would be very insightful not only for us but you know for people listening. And I think there's some really insightful things to kind of take out of the discussion. Um, just to wrap up the episode, uh, we're going to let you know how to get in contact with both of us. So you can reach us on Twitter, it's at DiscussedItPod. Or for any of those longer inquiries, shoot us an email at DiscussedItPodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, that's great. And you can also check out the show notes, which I write for all the episodes by heading over to my, my website, HerbieHudson.com, to find a written breakdown of the episode with photos, links, and bonus content that didn't make the cut on here. And of course, with this, with these show notes, I'll include Kyle's links as well. And... Would you be able to give us some contact contacts for you, Kyle? How can we get in contact with you? Yeah, yeah sure. Um, so best way, well, really, if you message me on any social media, I'll reply. But uh, best way is probably email kyle at successfularchystudent.com. Otherwise, um, 
you know, message me on Instagram, successful Archie student. That's probably the best ways to get in contact with me. Yeah. And then do, what? What's the um your website as well? Just give that a little plug. Oh yeah. <laughs> SuccessfulArchieStudent.com. Awesome. Thanks for letting me do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I think that wraps it up. So thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it.